coming up. Margaret Cho likes to say there's no I in team, but there is a Cho in Psycho. Updates on arts and entertainment, interviews with celebrities and marquee guests. This is WSJ Speakeasy. Hey, I'm Christopher John Farley, a senior editor at the Wall Street Journal. Welcome to the podcast. Today our guest is Margaret Cho. She's got a new Showtime special. She's got an ongoing comedy tour. Margaret, thanks for coming to the show. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing great. So I've uh, been watching the new show you have. Well, first of all, where are you calling from? Are you calling from California? New York City. Are you in New York City? Are you in the building somewhere? Is this like when a stranger calls, you're going to leap out at me somewhere? Yes, I might. You never know. <laughs> okay, now I'm worried. Now, now, now I'm a little bit scared. You're someplace <laughs> closer than I thought. Yes, it's scary. Okay, so Very you, close. You got this new Showtime special out, Psycho. Mm-hmm. Tell me when and where you taped it. I taped it in uh, March, and it was at um, the Gramercy Theater in New York City. Now, one thing I thought was very interesting about it is that there's a lot of sex talk in this stand-up. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. was that intentional? Is that something on your mind? You wanted to explore your sexuality more on stage? or No, sexuality has been a subject that I've always talked about. I mean, I, I have a, uh, a great deal of experience. I, I also served on the board of, of Good Vibrations for several years. Good Vibrations is a sex toy company uh, created just for women. So I... Um, really had a lot of say in sort of what uh, people were um, buying in terms of those kinds of things. And I, I know a lot about subjects. So it's something that I think is political and something that I think is uh, relevant to me and uh, important to discuss. You know, one thing I always find interesting when people are working on cable when they're doing a Showtime special versus appearing on a network TV show is obviously you can work a little bluer on Showtime or HBO or mm-hmm. a cable channel, you can in the networks. Do you consciously as a comedian think, I don't want to get lazy here, I want to make sure these jokes are sharp and not just kind of uh, dirty? Well, you know, you you want there to be value in in what you're saying. So, um, But, then, you know, I, I'm a nightclub comedian. I, I come from the tradition of Richard Pryor and, and, and Red Fox and um, LaWanda Page, and, and um, all of these people who, who have really sort of created the genre. So for me, it, it's um, um, Blue, or Team Blue, is an absolute pleasure, and it, it's, a, it's a privilege, actually. Now, the market show that's on stage, is that the real one? Like, if, if someone goes to lunch with you or dinner with you, are you like that in person, or is that you on stage times 100? Oh, I don't even know. I think that one would have. You to don't have even lunch know. <laughs> I have no idea. So somebody would have to have lunch with me, and then and then uh, see a show, and then we could decide. They don't know. And how much of your personal life gets sucked into your art? I mean, are you someone where it's dangerous to hang around you? You know, like Taylor Swift, could you end <laughs> up in a song? Maybe, but then that's good though too, because sometimes you want that. You want that sense of like. You know, an artist who has an expertise in something, and, and so you want to be included. So I, I guess it's not that I want to make fun of people or or anything, but definitely as an artist, all artists use their lives as uh, part of their work. What's your creative process, though? I mean, do just funny things happen to you and you write them down somewhere? Um, are you yes, someone who... That, uh, tell yes. me how it works. 
Well, you you know, it's always happening, and you always want to document it, and you always want to keep your senses kind of fired up and so that you know what's going on. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff in the news, too. So there's always something to comment on and write about. Well, like, for instance, there's one particular riff in the show, Psycho, the Showtime special, where you talk about how white people are always get, getting offended on our behalf and the whole thing. Mm-hmm. It's sort of a extended riff on the fact that um, it's strange sometimes to hear white people call something racist instead of hearing it from the actual people who the racism is happening to. And I want to know, yeah. how, how did that occur to you? Was there some some specific incident that sparked that in you and you and then you began to develop it? How did you figure that one out, and how did you develop it into something that would actually get laughs on stage? Well, that's something that actually is very common. And, um, I mean, this is, was an incident that happened, but also it's an incident that continues to happen. A good example is uh, when uh, Matt Damon was um, explaining to an African-American uh, producer-director, um, Evie Brown, about uh, what diversity was. <laughs> So, you know, it's to me, it's really humorous when diversity is explained to people of color. And that, that's sort of what I was referring to, and that is a very common thing that happens. You know, I have to say that I, as a black man, I found it very useful to have Matt Damon explain diversity to me. I'm hoping that next, <laughs> that Ben Affleck will weigh in on the middle passage. I'm hoping that'll be the next step. In my education yes. as a black man we in America. We really need them. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, in, in this special also, I, 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 on your tour, I'm, I'm hearing that you're going to be doing marriages, and maybe you're already doing marriages. Uh, tell me a bit about how that's working. Well, it's I'm looking for couples, uh, same-sex couples, in every tour stop and offering my services. I was uh, deputized as a uh, marriage deputy and um, able to marry gay couples in City Hall in San Francisco. This was given to me by Gavin Newsom. And um, so it was, it was a big deal because I was marrying gay couples at the site of Harvey Milk's assassination. So to go back to a very terrible, the, the darkest part of gay political history and to do something um, celebrating marriage equality was really a healing and beautiful thing. So if I can bring that to my shows, I, I am more than excited to do so. So I would like to do this in every town. We don't have uh, couples in every city, but um, I'm encouraging people to come forward, you know, if they want to have their bows renewed, if uh, they would like to sort of just have this as a ceremony, um, it's something that I know is very healing and, and very important for all of us who have worked towards marriage equality for so long. So you actually do have the power to marry, marry, marry people. This is something that you have. Yeah. It. You can do it. Yeah, I, I had Kim Davis's job, but I actually did the job. So <laughs> I, I have the power to do this. I also have a sort of, a, one of a, an online um, accreditation from some ministry, but uh, I, I also do have sort of government credentials. I do have the authority vested in me to do so. And what do you feel about Kim Davis, the Kentucky clerk who's refusing to marry same-sex couples or endorse the marriages of same-sex couples officially? 
Well, I do believe she has an inflated sense of herself and her actual office. It's a clerical position. It's uh, not something that you can sort of judge and give one person something, another person something. I mean, it, you know, she's actually in violation of the Constitution at this point, and so needs to be dealt with in that way. Um, it, it's really an outrage, I think. I think she's um, also rather a hypocrite when it, when it comes to marriage, having been married so many times herself. But really, um, it, it is so bigoted and, frankly, dumb and unfortunate. Well, we're going to take a pause here for a second and come back for the second half of our chat with Margaret Cho. Be sure to check out all new podcasts from The Wall Street Journal, including Your Money Matters, all week long, watching your wealth. Hi, this is Veronica Dagger. Join me every week for Wealth Wednesday. Tune in weekly for a fresh take on the secrets to financial success straight from the top money experts from The Wall Street Journal and beyond. Plus all the latest advice, tips and checklists and more for expanding your wealth into more more wealth. For more info, check out wsj.com forward slash podcasts and be sure to follow us on Twitter at WSJ Podcasts. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. Now, back to the show. We're back with Margaret Cho and one question I have for you is what's going on with ABC? It seems to be really diversifying in terms of what they're offering. I mean, they have Fresh Off the Boat. Uh, Of course, they have Modern Family. Uh, They also have Blackish. Uh, You talk about Fresh Off the Boat on your special Psycho because you had All-American Girl all the way back in 1994, which brought Asian-American family life to sitcom TV, and now Fresh Off the Boat is uh, being a pioneer all over again. What do you think of the show, and what do you think of what ABC is doing? I love the show, and I think ABC has come a long way in terms of diversity and really you know, doing a great service to the world. You know, I'm, I'm proud of them, and I, I'm grateful that they're doing this. I'm excited to be a part of Dr. Ken, which is the newest Asian-American family TV show on ABC that's set to premiere in a couple of days. And I'm just, I'm really encouraged by the way that they've shifted. They've really turned around and sort of become the most diverse of all networks. And I, I think that's a real... Uh, I, I, I don't know. I think it's a real step towards really, really positive change and seeing diversity everywhere. What What has changed since the days of All American Girl? Did audiences change? Did the people in the network executive suites change? Or what shifted to allow this to happen? I really don't know. I have no idea. I feel like the world has just gotten to be a more diverse place in that we have more technology. We have the Internet. We have so many shows, so many networks, so many opportunities to create these kinds of stories and, and, and tell these stories. So maybe that's it. But I think it's more than that. There, there's so many things that have shifted. So I, I don't know, but I'm grateful. Yeah, because I felt the same way. I felt grateful and surprised when I saw those billboards for Quantico with Priyanka Chopra. Mm-hmm. And I thought, geez, this cool. wouldn't have happened 10, 15 years ago. Just, it just wouldn't have been a possibility. It would have been very difficult to get a show like that sold and get someone like that to be the headline, the, the face of a show. Right. It's, and it's really exciting. It's really wonderful. Now, of course, you're going to be on Dr. Ken. Tell me about, a bit about your part on that show. Who, who do you play? What are you going to do? What kind of laughs are you going to I get? Play, uh, yeah, I play uh, Ken Jung's sister, and so hopefully I'll be able to do more episodes of the show. 
But I, I, I really love the show. I think it's really funny. I think Ken's a really comedic genius. He's a really amazing performer. And I've known him for over 20 years when I was trying to tell him not to go to med school and to just pursue comedy. But he had to take his own path and do his thing. And I, I'm glad he did. He's a great guy and a great, great star for a great show. Now, on the other side of things, one thing that I find very interesting that I want to get your perspective on as a as a comic is the fact that late night TV, there have been openings and some closings, and they've brought in new people to be hosts on some of the late night comedy shows. And the, the picture in Vanity Fair that surfaced recently that struck everybody of all the the men who hold the late night comedy shows. Right now, mm-hmm. there are no women. How do you feel about mm-hmm. that? The fact that there are all these guys behind desks wearing ties and nice shoes mm-hmm. and, and no women seem to be able to break into that fraternity. I don't know. I can wear a tie. I can do the job. <laughs> I would love to be a late night uh, comedy TV host. I, I, I think that I can do it. I know I have the chops. I I think that uh, it's time for a woman to be there. I know Samantha B is, is, is coming up and, and doing it. Uh, I would love the job. I, I could do every job there. I could be the host. I could be the sidekick. I could be the uh, writer. I could be the celebrity guest. And I could also be the musical guest. So, and the band leader. I can do it all. <laughs> but could you hold the cue cards? Could you do that? Absolutely. You can, Absolutely. So you could do it all. Okay. I could do it all. But, what, yes. but what, is, what is the thinking? What is going on in the thinking of, because you'd think just for, um, just for contrast's sake, someone else would have hired a woman to be a late-night TV host, just to stand out at least. Uh, you see that picture, you're like, these guys, well, what, if you just had a woman there, maybe she'd, she'd, you know, she'd just get some audience by default. It's, it's very odd that there's not a single woman holding one of those jobs. I mean, you mentioned Samantha B. She's going to be coming on with her show soon, but right now mm-hmm. it's all guys. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you suppose yeah. is the thinking there, the, 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 the thinking behind the hiring? But it's unfortunate. I, I just, I would love to see a woman up there. I would love to do it myself. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm pushing to make it happen. <laughs> now, earlier in the year, you know, you were on the Golden Globes and you received some criticism for, you know, playing a North Korean character. You later defended mm-hmm. it. Looking back on that whole incident, how do you feel about how things went? Do you think people were blew up the situation uh, in an unnecessary people, kind of way, or or did yeah, you have second thoughts about it? No, I think people were racist. It's unfortunate. Again, I uh, I was accused of playing a Korean character because I'm Korean. I can't escape my Koreanness. I wish I could be white. It would be great. I think it would be more relaxing for me, maybe. <laughs> but I I'm Korean, and I can't help it. So. I find that actually to be deeply disturbing that people were finding my being a Korean racist because I am Korean. <laughs> it's so weird. Isn't it weird? <laughs> Very weird. Uh, uh, looking back on it, would you still do it, um, given all the yeah. blowback? Oh, yeah, 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 for sure, because I, well, I can't help it. I have to do it because I can't change my race. If there was a way that you could change your race. Uh, I, I, I don't know. Is there some kind of a, a, a surgery, some kind of a Rachel Dolezal workshop that you can do to, like, sort of outsmart 
um, your racial identity? I, I don't know. I, I, I can only be Korean-American. That's who I am. So I, I don't know what else to be. Now, really, if, if I had a race-changing machine like the, you know, like in Dr. Seuss where he's able to put stars in some sneeches and take stars off, you would actually change your race, you think? Would you consider well, it? I don't know. I, I, I mean, would it be easier? It seems like it would be more relaxing. I don't know. Do you think about that? Like, if it's possible, would you ever do it? I don't know. I, I enjoy my race. I enjoy my family. I enjoy my culture. I, I, I speak Korean. I, I, I am Korean. I, I feel it. Um, yet, uh, for some reason, um, if it's offensive to be yourself, then I, I, I don't really exactly know what to do about that. But would, would you be as funny if you changed? Yeah, who knows? Maybe not. <laughs> that's the problem. That's the, that's, the, that's the big question. Now, there's some material you deal with in the special that's um, it's of a serious nature, and you, sort of, you mentioned the fact that you were a victim of sexual abuse when you were younger. Mm-hmm. Uh, what um, went into your decision to, to go public with that, to talk about that, to make sure people knew this is something you had experienced? Oh, I've been talking about that for many years. I, I talked about it in my first book, which came out in 1999. I have addressed it many times in my stand-up comedy. I think that it's just that now people are more apt to pay attention because there's so much uh, focus put on rape. I, I mean, especially in, in sort of, like in 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 the light of, of of Cosby and 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 ISIS in the way that they use um, rape as as a, a sort of a, a tactic for uh, to incite people to be involved, you know, it's very disturbing. So I think that the consciousness around rape has shifted. I've told the story uh, many times and 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 been very very open about it, but it, it's never received the amount of attention um, until now. Do you think that you know, are there any subjects for you that are off limits for for comedy? I mean, you, you you talk about rape in this special. You go into some other sort of difficult subjects. Is there any subject in your head you think I can't make a joke about that? There's nothing funny to say. Maybe there is. I, I don't really know. I, I have not. Uh, I've not encountered that yet. Um, possibly. Um, I think it's important to approach everything uh, with a sense of compassion, and and if if we can do that, that that might um, sort of soften the blow of whatever you might say. But I try to sort of be open about everything and uh, say everything. Well, one thing I found interesting when talking about language is in the special, you make a couple of references to Bruce Jenner. And, and you call him Bruce Jenner instead of Caitlyn Jenner, and you use the pronoun yeah, he was, instead of she. Yeah. Why is it that? Was filmed in, in, it was filmed in March when uh, he had still not transitioned. So um, that's why. But it, it's because it, 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 at that point, um, it had not happened yet. So, uh, of course, pronouns are important. And, of course, I've been a champion for the trans community and my assessment of this transition was really so exciting that you see the champion, that you see the Olympian. And that was my point, is that uh, the courage that it takes for somebody in, in that public of a forum to, to really be able to 
express themselves and live their authentic life. It, it's it's powerful. So, um, but yeah, I didn't know I didn't know her name was Caitlin then. We nobody knew. You couldn't have predicted it. You didn't see that coming. You would you? Have? <laughs> I would. I, I sort of would have. I you didn't see Caitlin coming. That name. I I I saw a K, not a C. <laughs> What's well, the other thing I was wondering about this, this special? When you're taping a special in advance and your work sometimes can be very topical, is it difficult as a comedian because you think, okay, I can't talk about that because that'll seem dated when this comes out three months from now, so i got to stick with this subject instead. Is that something that goes on in your mind as you're sort of working on the material that will appear in a special like this? Maybe, but then at the same time, um, you you know that it, it's really – certain topics are eternal certain topics like that that sort of rage that we feel about things that that uh, sort of things that we're fighting against constantly whether that's racism or sexism or homophobia all of those things are are always sort of evergreen so i think that that's sort of where it makes sense well on that note uh, margaret show thanks a lot for talking with the wall street journal we really appreciate it and good luck with the stand-up tour, and the new special on Showtime, Psycho, with Margaret Cho. Thank you. That wraps our podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at at CJ Farley, and thanks for listening. WSJ Podcasts. Tune out all that busy commuting noise and tune in to the sound of success. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously.